0: Welcome to another episode of Wikipedia Radio. Wikipedia Radio is sponsored by Equipping the Persecuted, but more on that in just a minute. Now, I am your host, Kyle Witt, joined by Micah Sample. Sam could not be here this week, but Micah, how are you doing this week?
1: You know, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, am, I think I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold, but other than that, mm. I've had a really, really good week. Uh, The Lord has blessed me greatly, and I'm uh, excited to be here and talking with you about what we're going to talk about. I'm excited to have Judd on the show. Oh, you
0: you jumped the gun there. Now they know. The cat's out of the bag.
1: (laughs) The cat's out of the bag, guys. We have Judd Saul with us today. Um, He's going to be talking with us about uh, equipping the persecuted here um, and the things that are going on in Nigeria Um, very very Mm, important stuff as kyle said we are sponsored by equipping the persecuted judd how are you doing today
2: i'm doing great fellas it's good to see you
0: it's good to see you man good to see you now i judd i want to set something up uh for the audience for just a second because a few weeks ago we had eric townsend on the program phenomenal Mm -hmm. interviews if you missed those Go to YouTube, go to Spotify, go to any place that you can get podcasts, search Wokipedia, find our episodes with Eric Townsend. They are amazing. But we talked about the work that he's going to be doing in Nigeria, where he's going to be not just providing medical supplies to people in Nigeria, to the uh, watchmen that you have there watching over the different projects, the orphanage you have uh, and the workers that you have, but he's going to be giving them professional first responder quality training to really care for people's lives to legitimately save people's lives, to empower them to do that. Not just with, weapons to scare off attackers but to tend to the attacked this is phenomenal work now we have you on because you wanted to talk a little bit about that trip and some of the needs that are are there with it so do you want to tell us wh- what's going on what what help do you need to accomplish the work and really give us a picture of what the work is
2: so um to update the audience on what we do at equipping the persecuted uh, it it, it says it in our name. We equip persecuted Christians. Um, We try to respond within 24 to 48 hours of an attack uh, with food and medical aid, um, try to get medicine, local doctors. uh, If there's wounded that need to be treated, we try to help them out. Um, But we also um, long-term work with IDP camps. So after a village is attacked, uh, they're displaced from their homes. They have to go somewhere. So they call them IDP camps, internally displaced persons, which is, which is essentially a internal refugee camp in their own country. They're just moving an entire group of people to another state, another area to live. Um, uh, But they're pretty much kind of stuck in those camps. And so we've seen a great need to uh, help them uh, any way we can, uh, whether it's food, medicine, uh, everything else. And, Um, Everything we do is uh, presented with the gospel. We just don't go do, you know, do good uh, things Mm. just for other people. But we also get everything we do comes with a gospel message. And what a way to reach people, Uh, help them in need and present the gospel. And you see a very receptive people, one, people that are already Christians uh, have a renewed hope and uh shows that there's other mm. Christians from across the world that are willing to come out and help them and 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 show God's love to them and uh also to unbelievers that are um, looking at the sidelines Amen. we show them and demonstrate what God's and Jesus's love is really about
0: no i mean the, the work that you guys are doing is i mean inspiring is a lame word to use for it because it shouldn't it shouldn't be just inspiring to us it should be normal it should be the normal response of christians for not spe- just those in need but especially when we see our brothers and sisters in christ in need to just be willing to go across the world to care for them uh they are our family uh now there's a lot going on. So can you update kind of what's the situation? You talked about the, the camps, you talked about attacks,
2: but can you fill people in a little bit on what that looks like? So uh, while we're, while we're going to be there, uh, we helped a camp out uh, a while back with a uh, medical intervention. Uh, our team was expecting about 2,000 people and we show up and there's about 12,000 people in this camp. And uh, they're living essentially in makeshift tents made out of empty cement bags and uh, trash bags over, you know, over wood kind of any way they can, however they can uh, make a, make a tent work. And there's over 12,000 people there. And we've um, this, a group of the, a group of people from this camp just a few days ago, there was about a thousand of them that tried to go back to their original homeland uh and they were met halfway and uh several were murdered and several were wounded and the people uh who literally have nothing uh, had nothing to begin with uh, packed up what they had left and went back to the camp and uh currently the situation is very dire we got people dying in the camp uh, malnutrition uh, typhoid uh, outbreak has occurred And so when we go back on this trip, we are going to um, do our best to try to help as many of them as possible with needed medicine, with needed food, medical aid. And then one of the other things we're trying to do is provide them actual structured tents, actual tents, not makeshift tents made out of empty cement bags. And so uh, we're trying to raise $40,000 for this trip uh, to help 12,000 people. Um, there's other things on top of that security with our team while we're going to be there uh, needs to be beefed up. Uh, obviously, there's a security risk. And also while we are there, one of the other things we're doing is, is we started construction on an orphanage one year ago, which we are now going to be opening in October. Um, so far, we haven't opened yet, but we have three kids. Uh, by the end of the month, we'll have 45. And by the end of the year, we're going to have 100 kids inside the orphanage. Uh, there's such a dire need because so many uh, uh, Christian parents are being killed. It's leaving a lot of orphans and it's better for them to be in a safe, secure place where they're going to get fed every day instead of being stuck in a camp with a fellow villager. That's really not going to give them the love and care they need.
0: Again, if you haven't listened to the, the interview that we did with Eric Townsend, the two interviews we did, we did a radio episode and a podcast episode. You need to go listen to him uh, as well. Because I hope this is giving you a picture, a a deep picture of both the need in Nigeria, but how equipping the persecuted fills the needs. The specifics of what they do and where they're operating and the, the resources. The resources that they're they're pumping in to help these people and the resources that they they need and in all reality they're pretty meager resources uh I'm talking about the 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 money that equipping the persecuted needs to take care twelve thousand people building an orphanage, having guards getting them uh medically trained to respond uh in need. That's a lot for a little investment.
2: Yeah, so we're trying to raise $40,000 uh yeah. for this for this one trip while we're there to effect as much change as possible, but like uh with Eric and what we're what we're doing with him is he's training uh leaders of some village security teams on medical trauma response. I mean, they're going to get better training than the police and then even some of the military in the area on how to address and take care of the wounded to try to help save some of these lives. And not only we are we training them, we're giving them equipment to be able to respond and for the training. So it's not just, it's not just training them on the methods we're giving them the equipment to use, to do this with. And uh, to me, it's common sense. It's, it's very common mm. sense, practical or meeting practical needs of the people. Uh, and in turn, it has blossomed into a, very gospel-centered ministry where we're seeing many people come to the Lord just because we show up and say, hey, we care. We're, we're willing to give you a helping hand. The government's not helping. Them, God. And, and people have to understand, okay, so we just had Hurricane Ian come through Florida. We have government aid, government response, a whole truckload of thousands and thousands of people coming in to help the people that have just lost their homes in a place like nigeria they don't have that it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. there's no ambulance service yeah you are lucky if the police show up a week later after a crime i mean there is no fallback there is no government assistance for these people the only the only help that they have is us and is fellow christians paying attention to what's going on and giving up a, a little bit of resource to help these guys out
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes me, it really makes me think about how much more effective we could be with our time and resources here. I mean, you mentioned uh, Hurricane Ian, and what if we had a a more hands-on mindset when it comes to something like that and really taking care of people? And if I'm hands-on, gospel-oriented, preach the gospel, uh, help these people mindset, it'd have an impact in this country too, but where you are with less resources and options for these people, I mean, you're, you've are you almost got like a, I mean, it sounds like you've got a monopoly on care. Now, are there other, I mean, do you actually have a monopoly on, on the care or are there other, uh, and specifically Christian care, are there other missions organizations that are doing this kind of work? Are there, you know, is there a competing orphanage down the street?
2: Uh, there's There's only a small handful of, of other missions that are trying to that are trying to make an impact and do the thing and And I'd and say there's from from what I've seen to the um, people trying to do the level of what we're trying to do,'ve um, there's one other mission that operates six hours away from where we are, working in an area where they have just as many problems as we have in, in our area. And uh, there's probably only three or four missions organizations that are out there with little resources trying to make an impact and a difference. Uh, The unfortunate thing is, is that the large mission organizations that boast millions and millions of dollars in fundraising to help persecuted Christians are uh, very little to be seen uh, in Nigeria, even though they're advertising they're helping Nigerians, uh, none of us are seeing them on the ground. Uh, out there. So uh, if you think you're Mm. donating to an organization that says they're helping persecuted Christians, um, call them and ask them, what specifically are you doing to help persecuted Christians? Because what I do with equipping the persecuted is we are very transparent and we show you on a weekly basis what we are doing. We have regular updates and show you exactly what we are doing Mm. and how we're doing it. Uh, there's another group, like I said, there's like around six, between six to eight hours away from where we are, Ignition 633. We've actually teamed up together on interventions and helping IDPs where we can. They have strengths in certain areas. We have strengths in others. And we have worked together to do things out there. And we're, also, we're looking for more partners in Nigeria to work together to do these things. Um, uh, and that's another <laughs> difference with our organization. We don't operate in a silo where you have other organizations that kind of operate in a silo, they don't play well with others. That's not how equipping the persecuted operates. We welcome to work with anybody we can work with to help Christians in Nigeria, and that's why we're there.
0: I mean, that's some amazing stuff. Now, we're just about to head to a break, and then we're going to be talking about uh, another topic. But before we head there, Judd, is there any last word you'd like to give?
2: I would like to just encourage everybody to go to our website, www.equippingthepersecuted.org. Equippingthepersecuted.org. All help. We need all the help we can get. Persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria need all the help that they can get. And I'd like you to consider supporting and partnering with our organization uh, to make a difference in the lives of persecuted Christians directly, quickly, and efficiently. Even if
0: you're not, you know, you're not 100% sure if you want to donate or not, please at least go to equippingthepersecuted.org. Look at the work they do. Uh, you can find them on Facebook as well. Search for Equipping the Persecuted. They post videos and updates of what they do. Look into it. Look at the proof. Look at the the actual uh, fruit of what they do and really pray and consider, is this the ministry that I should be giving to? Because mm-hmm. it is good. It is doing good valuable impressive work for god's kingdom work for uh our brothers and sisters who are in need for people that are in brutal conditions please please go to equipping the and look at what they do please prayerfully consider donating to uh equipping the persecuted now we're going yeah. to head to a break and when we get back we're going to talk about uh a church audit that's going to help your church be more LGBT <laughs> inclusive. Stay tuned. Does theological education seem out of reach, maybe too expensive, too complicated or not enough time? Well, I'd encourage you to go check out Russell T Fuller.com. Again, that's Russell T Fuller.com. Dr. Fuller is using his phenomenal, phenomenal gifting to provide reasonably cost and very easily accessible theological education to anyone in need. Welcome back to Wikipedia Radio. And like I mentioned in the first segment, we're gonna be talking about gay Christianity and how your church can be more inclusive. We're gonna be looking at the living out church audit Uh, Mike and I are just going to quickly share you the 10 points of the Living Out Church audit. Now, this is not some random uh, openly liberal group. This is a group that pretends to be or claims to be conservative, orthodox, Christian, uh, specifically evangelical Christian. Uh, They are promoted by a whole slew of uh, evangelicals, uh, woke leaders, obviously. And this audit was launched in conjunction uh, with a conference they did with Tim Keller and was promoted by Tim Keller. Now, we're going to, like I said, we're just going to quickly give you the 10 points of the audit and make brief comments. But we just want to show you kind of what's coming down down the line. Wokeism doesn't stop at racial issues. There's a whole slew of Uh, spawns of critical theory, not just critical race theory, but you have critical gender theory. And in this case, you have queer theory and you have Christians, woke Christians, trying to reconcile these things. So let's see what their opinions are and quickly give you the 10 points of the audit. Number one, your church family meetings include people who could be labeled LGBTQI plus slash are same-sex attracted. Now, I hope that's not true. And you're supposed to rank these on true, false, or not sure. I hope that's not true. Now, might your church have people who are tempted with same-sex attractions and resist that? Resist the temptation, not just to act on the temptation, but resist and deny the temptation? Yeah. But if you have people in your church that identify as LGBT, identify as same-sex attracted, well, you're failing what the Bible says. Because in Corinthians, when it lists sins, including uh, homosexuality, it says, thus were some of you, not thus are Some of you, thus were some of you. So that's the identifier that the church should have. Not do you have people that identify this way, but have left. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, it's just one of those things where our identity is supposed to be in Christ. And so Mm -hmm. moving on to number two, it says this derogatory language or stereotyping attitudes towards anyone would not be tolerated either upfront or in conversation between church family members. True, false, or not sure. Well, the reality is this. The Bible gets to define what is and is not acceptable speech. You don't get to define it on the basis of your perceived identity, especially if that perceived identity is something that is rooted in sin and and something that the Bible clearly designates as sin. So, for example, the word sodomite, the word sodomy, um, that would be considered derogatory language by LGBTQ plus whatever sorts of people. Um, But the reality is that's that's a biblical term. And so, um, it is important that we define our words based on the Bible and not based on offense taking, um, from sinners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're not, they're not clarifying where the offense is coming from. Are they saying that it's objectively, again, biblically, objectively derogatory, offensive language, or are they saying the worldly definition of that offends me, therefore is offensive language. Uh, it's subjective, but number three all in your church know that we all experience sexual brokenness and all are being encouraged to confess their own sexual sins. Now, the 10 points of this are going to contain a lot of this, things that are true, but they're going to lead to another point further down that they're using that true statement to get you to then accept something false. And yes, Because of the fall, we're all broken. We're all sinful, and our desires, even sexually speaking, are broken. We don't naturally pursue God's design. So, yeah, we need to confess our sexual sins. Some are worse than others. Some are more, miss the mark more than others. But, yeah, we all are broken in that area, and we all need Christ, our new identity in Christ, To reject our sinful sexual desires and live in a proper biblical, uh, live out proper biblical sexuality within marriage, not based on the selfish satisfaction of desires. But again, you'll see where they go with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reality is that, yes, we should confess the sins that we have. Um, but that is, the point of that is repentance. It's not dwelling on them. Now, number <laughs> four says this same sex sexual relationships are never mentioned in isolation from other sinful patterns of behavior or from forgiveness offered to all through fi- faith in Christ crucified. True, false, or not sure. Well, the reality is this. If someone's struggling with a sin, that person needs to have that sin identified in their lives and dealt with. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean that they need to have a lecture on every other kind of sin <laughs> in existence. That would just take too long. Um, you yeah. know, we, we have to identify the sins that are actually present. And we need to actually focus on um, what the proper steps of repentance look like for that. So this is uh, this is just one of those things where what they're trying to do is they're trying to lump all sins together and say they're all the same. The reality is that not every person struggles with the same sins. And therefore sometimes you do have to isolate the sins in uh, how you talk about them.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, there, there are times when you need to address something direct and head on. Uh, It's a ridiculous standard. That's not a biblical standard to say that you need, you can't mention a sin in isolation. Uh, Number five, all in your church are hearing the same call to radical self-sacrifice of themselves in response to God's giving them of self in Jesus. True, false, not sure. Um, Again, this is one of those those truisms. And I think they learned from the master uh, in Tim Keller. Tim Keller (laughs) loves to put out little truisms and then wield them inappropriately. But Yeah, it's true. All in your church should be hearing. Now, it concerns me that they say the same call. Because in the context, they're saying, oh, well, you're not picking on. You're not derogatorily calling out. You're not uh, isolating the sin of homosexuality. But, yeah, everyone should be hearing the call to self-sacrifice of themselves in response to God's giving himself in Jesus. Everyone should be hearing that. That's so base level. There's not really much else to say on that, but pay attention to where they go with that because they're doing another setup.
1: Yes, they are. And then in number uh, six, it it also says this all in your church are encouraged to develop an identity founded first and foremost on their union with Christ. Okay, that's that's another thing that they're trying to make it set up. The reality Mm -hmm. is this. Yes, that should be true. But here's where they are implying something that is false. You cannot have an identity that is founded at all in sin and then say that your identity is first and foremost in Christ. You just can't. That's not how it works. When you become a new creation, your identity is then in Christ. It is not in the things of the flesh. It's not in sin. And so the idea that you have to have it founded first and foremost on the union with Christ, well no you 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 need to have it first and foremost based on the union with Christ, and you have to recognize um the fact that sin no longer uh, is something that you're identified with
0: yeah, and they're they're pulling a bait and switch here uh because the next so they're saying your identity needs to be in Christ. Uh, and they're hoping you don't realize that in the next one they say the opposite they say your identity should be your your identity is linked to something else number yep. 7 a godly christian's sexual orientation would not prevent them from exercising their spiritual gifts or serving in leadership in your church now a first statement if you are not rejecting a temptation, if you've made it a part of, a sinful temptation, part of your identity to the point where you believe it's a fixed orientation, you are disqualified from leadership in the church. Yep, You fail the list of qualifications that are put out there. Uh, yep. Now, the other thing, the, the, the bait and switch I mentioned, they say, oh, well, you everyone's understanding their identities in Christ. Good, that's where it should be. Oh, but a a Christian can have a, a sexual orientation. Whoa! No, there's no such thing, biblically speaking, a sexual orientation. There is God's design for sexuality, and there is sinful desires. There's no fixed orientation. It does not exist. You were not born this way, you're not programmed. To be a certain way otherwise i you know i could say uh i could say that i'm called to you know heterosexual sinfulness i uh, say something like well i'm, I'm just a, i can't help it my my sexual orientation is just like pornographically inclined or inclined hmm. to uh sleeping <laughs> around or you know something simple of well i can't help it god just made me a liar it's worse than someone saying the devil made me do it because they're saying God made me do it.
1: Exactly. And then this feeds into the eighth uh, one that we've got here. It says this God's gifts of either singleness or marriage are equally promoted, valued and practically supported in your church family's life together. True, false or not sure. Um, Well, okay. If you have a gift of singleness, then you're not going to have these kinds of temptations. This isn't going to be exactly. You're not, you're certainly not going to have this as something that you consider to be an orientation, If you're having these desires and you're feeding into them, you do not have the gift of singleness. That's just just what it is. Um, And so what they're trying to do here is say that, you know, if you have a sexual orientation that is wrong, um, then that's okay. Just as long as you don't physically act on it. But I mean, the reality is this, you can not physically act on your desire to steal, but your desire to steal is still a sin. It's called coveting. And in the same way, these sexual desires, if we feed into these lusts and we feed into the temptations to the point where we think it's an orientation, that's effectively what we're doing. We're we're saying that this is a part of who we are. This is our identity. It's not. For a Christian, it's
0: not. They're redefining or confusing or however you want to put it, uh, desire and temptation. Temptation is not sinful, but a desire is sinful. And if you allow that desire to persist, it will lead to corruption. That's what Christ was getting at when he talked about, you know, committing adultery in your heart or committing murder in your heart. Uh, Number nine, church family members instinctively share meals, homes, holidays, festivals, money, family life with others from different backgrounds and life situations to them. Now, again, they're specifically talking about people that identify as gay Christians. and. I mean, you can go listen to the founder, Sam Albury. He's talked about this specific point before, and it's creepy. It is voyeurism. He is not talking about healthy churches sharing. He is talking about, I want a family, but I'm so committed to this desire, this homosexual desire, that I refuse to follow God's design. And so I'm going to get a surrogate family. It's just creepy it's just creepy. Yeah,
1: it, it absolutely is creepy. And then that feeds into number 10. Uh, no one would be pressurized into expecting or seeking any healing or change that God has not promised any of us until the renewal of all things. True, false, or not sure. You're supposed to ask these questions about your church to determine whether or not your church is a place that handles these things properly. But the reality is this, God has promised healing and change you yep. know what he's promised he's promised that the helper the holy spirit would be with us and that he would grant us a path out of every temptation which means yep. Yep. that when it comes to sexual temptations the holy spirit provides a way out he does yeah um you can avoid that temptation through the power of the holy spirit if you are regenerated and you are a believer in christ you have yep. the opportunity to repent of these things um, and to not fall into them. God has promised healing and change in this lifetime. Yep. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that every time you're not going to slip up because obviously all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have a sin nature. We have inclination towards these things. Um, but the reality is that God has promised healing, and that begins now.
0: Yeah, you're no longer a slave to sin. There is ability to resist it. And that's kind of, I mean, you revealed the, the fundamental error with what they've said, because if, they, if as they claim, it's just a temptation, well, then there's a way out. So fundamentally, they're saying it's not actually a temptation. Yeah. Now, that's all we have time for this week. I hope that's been helpful. Uh, please, if you have any feedback, if you want to get a hold of us, contact Wokipedia at gmail.com. And until next week, remember,
1: don't go woke.